0: Thank you, Robert. July 4th, 1776, the United States of America declared independence from Great Britain, and in that, formally initiated a war for freedom. 239 years ago, our founding fathers, they took a stand. They made this Declaration of Independence from a rule and an authority of a force that was deemed to be oppressive and limiting in terms of the freedom to truly live in a manner that encouraged life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And because that war for freedom was won, we have had this annual holiday to be able to pause and to remember the significance of that day. And I trust that this weekend that you have celebrated in some fashion, the significance of our National Day of Independence. And hey, if we hadn't won that war, you would have been at work on Friday. So, so there was a lot of good that came out of, out of that declaration. And in light of the weekend, I've been thinking about the Declaration of Independence, literally the Declaration of Independence, more deeply than I have in a long time. In fact, to the point where actually I've read it several times this week, And I do confess to you that my depth of reflection this year, including reading the document itself multiple times, was likely because I was assigned to teach today. But notwithstanding the motive, I'm so glad that I did. I don't know the last time you had an opportunity to actually read the Declaration of Independence. But for me, it stirred something deep inside of me. If I hadn't read it, I certainly would still have given thought to what the 4th of July means, though another confession, probably it would have been superficial thought at best. And not superficial in that I'm not incredibly grateful for my country and that I have the great privilege to live here because I am, and you should be too. And, And not superficial in my deep gratitude and appreciation for those that have literally gone before us and fought and invested so much in the fight for freedom back then and through the years even up until today, because I am, and you should be as well. But rather, superficial in terms of my really remembering, my really being drawn back into the reality of what was at stake that caused that battle line to be drawn 239 years ago yesterday and what that's really supposed to mean for me today. We'd probably all agree that the action that our founding fathers took was all about freedom, right? If we took a poll, if we said pick one word that the 4th of July means to you, I imagine that the word freedom would be at the top of the list, right? Probably. In fact, if the word freedom is the first word that pops into your head, when you think about the 4th of July, just humor me for a second. Raise your hand. Come on, active participation here. Raise your hand. All right, leave it up there. Don't, don't, don't put it down yet. How about the word independence? If the word independence is the first word that pops into your mind when you consider the 4th of July, just raise your hand for a second. See, look around the room. Most all of us. Most all of us. So if freedom or independence were the first words that came to your mind then your hands were probably in the air... But for those hands that weren't, you're just probably so self-conscious there wasn't going to be any word you were going to raise your hand for. Or maybe there really was some other word that you legitimately think about when you think about the 4th of July, like fireworks or barbecue or baseball, apple pie, and Chevrolet. I don't know. I just ticked all the Ford people off in the room. Hey, Ford means found on road dead. Get a Chevy, okay? (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I think it's fair to say that freedom and independence, those are the primary words that we think about or that we should when we consider the 4th of July. And so look, this was my personal dilemma in terms of my superficiality about the 4th. I do think about freedom, and I do think about independence when I think about Independence Day. I always have but I don't usually compel myself to really regain and reclaim the completeness and the fullness of what that meant 239 years ago, to be really inspired by what the object of that independence and freedom was really about. And as I read the Declaration of Independence this week, I was humbled by what I had lost in the translation over the years. And, and that may make me a lousy national, but what about you? This weekend, have you really reclaimed the fullness of the essence of what the Declaration of Independence really meant? Here's the truth for me. Here's the problem for me. As I consider the 4th of July, if I'm honest, I have perverted this crucial component in the object of the freedom that was intended when that Declaration of Independence was written and signed 239 years ago, before... When I thought about the word freedom in the context of the Fourth of July, I remembered it was to be free from, to be independent from the rule and the authority of this oppressive king and country. And I get that part right. Like, I don't, I, I get that part right. But that was only part of the freedom that we sought. The part that I mess up, the part that I pervert, is that I tend to think that the object of the freedom or the independence that was gained was the right for me to decide, for us to decide what we would do within moral boundaries, of course, to obtain life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what I thought it was all about. And I believe that's what most of us think it's about. If we look at the country today, that's how most of us act. We think that the object of the freedom that we declared was for us to choose within moral boundaries, whatever that might mean to us, for us to choose what we would do in relation to life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And that was certainly the image that formed in my mind from a pretty early age in life. I was brought up thinking that was the American way. In fact, that picture of freedom, and actually it compelled me to make this personal declaration of independence when I was just a teenager. I remember feeling oppression from the governing authority in my life, which was my mother. You guys have heard a lot about my mother. You have never heard that before. Never heard that before. Yeah, I felt like my freedom was being throttled, and there was this day where I decided to take a stand. And if there's any students or children in the room, I do not recommend this. Okay? I even reduced my Declaration of Independence to writing, just like our forefathers did in 1776 when they wrote out our National Declaration of Independence. I was such a nerd. I really was. I intended that my written document, it would be this tangible symbol of my steadfast resolve for independence and for freedom, and that when I saw it, I would be reminded to stand strong in boldness and courage as I decided how I was going to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. And get this, I was so bold and courageous that I actually hung my Declaration of Independence on a wall in her house Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Well, actually, I hung it on a wall in her house that was in my room. So actually, I hung it on a wall that was in her house that was in my room that was in my closet. I'm thinking she will never see it in there. Yeah, well, that didn't work out so good for me. But I have to confess that recently, as I read our nation's Declaration of Independence, and as I recalled mine, Mine fell a little bit short of the vision and of the specificity of the one that's on display in our national capital. Mine simply said this, two words. Think independence. Think independence. And my mother, we had this chuckle this week because honestly, while I remember doing that vividly, I couldn't remember why. And so I had a call her and I'm like, hey, Ma, remember when I did this thing? And we laughed and I said, I can't remember. What, was that? what, what caused me to revolt like that? She's like, I told you you had to move this pile of stone and build a walkway out from the door of the house to the road where the school bus picks you up and you wouldn't do it and you wouldn't do it. Do you see the oppression? I felt like I was in the bondage of slavery, like the nation of Israel, when they had to move all that stone and build all those pyramids in Egypt. I'll tell you what, I wasn't going to do that. And so I decided to declare my independence Seriously, this is no joke. This really happened. I was about 17 years old. And I wanted the freedom to decide what I did. That was the American way. Isn't that the principle of freedom that our country was founded on? The freedom to choose how we would chase life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And laying a whole bunch of stone was not it for me. And so I took this stand But there was a problem with that. It didn't take me long to figure this out, and I'm pretty sure she helped me get there. If I wanted my independence from her, I had to declare my dependence on something else or someone else. If I wanted my independence from her, I had to declare my dependence on someone or something else. And I hadn't really thought all the way through that. And to be honest, at the time, outside of her, my options, they weren't really that great. Here's the truth about freedom and about independence. We can't be free and independent in a vacuum. We can't be free and independent in a vacuum. The whole idea that we can be independent and autonomous and free is a myth, no matter where we are, no matter where we live. It's an illusion, and if you have lived life long enough, you know this to be true. I hate to be the one to break it to you, but freedom equals dependency. Freedom equals dependency and here was the difference between between my ridiculous declaration of independence and the profound one that our nation declared our national declaration of independence is very specific not only did we take a, sa- a stand on what we desired to be independent from but we took this stand on what we were going to be dependent on you should read it again for yourself it was so cool As we declared independence from the oppression of the rule of Great Britain, we were not declaring dependence on a room full of really smart, really brave, really well-intentioned men. We weren't declaring dependence on one guy whose name was at the bottom as president. No. Our declaration of independence was very specific, that as we declared our independence from the oppressive rule and authority of a king... In Great Britain, at the very same time, we were declaring dependence on, get this, the Creator with a capital C. The Creator with a capital C. We were declaring our dependence on the laws of nature and nature's God, capital letters. We were declaring our dependence on the supreme judge of the world. These words are all words that are in the Declaration of Independence. Independence. And as our founding fathers declared independence from the oppressive rule of a king in Great Britain, they placed their dependence above all other things on the rule and the authority of God. One nation under God. That was the full object of the freedom that we fought for. Have you celebrated that freedom this weekend? Have you celebrated that freedom this weekend? And now if that rubs you the wrong way, I didn't write the Declaration of Independence. I only read it. The freedom we sought for in independence was to be dependent on the creator God who would then provide the means by which we would pursue life, liberty, and happiness. And I, I personally believe they were referring to the God of the Bible. But before I lose some of you, I fully respect if you have an honest and thoughtful view that they were referring to some other God. I fully respect that, and I absolutely respect the fact that we all have the individual freedom granted by our Constitution, but more importantly, granted by the God of the Bible to choose if we want to even be personally dependent on him. He certainly desires that for us, but he doesn't force it on us, which is frankly why we find such freedom in that dependency. Here's my point to all of this rant, okay? I am not making a political statement this morning. I promise I'm not making a political statement this morning. You can do with all of that whatever you want regarding the governance of our country. Here was the stirring for me as I reflected on the Declaration of Independence this week. It prompted a question that I was compelled to answer this past week, and now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. Here's the question. In your personal freedom, what or who are you placing your dependence on? In your personal freedom, what or who are you placing your dependence on today? I would argue, not surprisingly, since you're in a church that's devoted to Jesus, that we would experience the fullness of life and liberty and happiness only in radical dependency on Jesus. I would say that. There is this this verse In John chapter 15, verse 5, in which Jesus makes this profound statement about dependency. He says this John chapter 15, verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is making this very bold statement when he refers to himself as the vine and to us as the branches. The image of the vine is that it is what is firmly rooted in the ground. It is what has access to all of the life-giving nutrients in the soil. And it is what provides those life-giving nutrients to the branches. Without the vine, the branches have bupkis. Do you know what bupkis is? Bupkis means nothing. So Jesus is saying this, if you remain attached to me, Fully dependent on me. I will give you the things that not only sustain life, but make it all that it's supposed to be. That's his promise. And of course, the opposite is true. He's saying if you detach from the vine, if you don't have dependency on the vine, then you separate yourself from that life-giving sustenance. You have bupkis, is what he's saying. And I think Jesus felt compelled to use that analogy of the vine and the branches in his teaching because he knows the propensity of man. John chapter 2, verse 24, says Jesus knew human nature. Verse 25 says nobody had to tell him what mankind was like. And as he stands above time and he looks down between the, the bookends of human history, the in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, all the way through the may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people in Revelation chapter 22. As he looks down on all of that, he has watched us claim our dependency on ourselves, on things of this world in this vain pursuit for life, liberty, and happiness. He's watched us struggle greatly in the quest for freedom that he granted humanity when he first created Adam and Eve. And man, it has been a struggle. We have made a mess of it. Well, at least I've made a mess of it. And into that struggle and mess, he has progressively revealed the means by which complete dependence on him can be regained and reclaimed, where true freedom could really be had. We had this period in history where he gave these detailed instructions about how we would do that well. That was called the law. Essentially what God said is God said, let me tell you how to be radically dependent on me. Let me tell you how to be radically dependent on me. And we tried that for a while and we couldn't really get it right. The law, it wasn't enough. And so he says, all right, let me show you how to be dependent on me. And John chapter 1, verse 14 says that God himself, Jesus actually stepped out of heaven and came down to this earth to become flesh. And he modeled, he modeled for us a life that would be radically dependent on God so that we would know that as humans, because he did that in full humanity, that we could actually do that too. That, that even in the midst of the temptations that we have in this world to grab control and be dependent on ourselves, or to be dependent on these things of the world. He said, let me show you how to do that. But that's not all. He knew that just watching him wouldn't be enough too. That once he went back to heaven, it wouldn't be enough. And so he promises to everyone that would put their faith in him to send his Holy Spirit to actually live in us. And so he doesn't just say, let me tell you how to be dependent on me. And he doesn't just say, let me show you how to be dependent on me. He says, let me, let me guide you. Let me help you to be dependent on me. Let me take your hand. Let me show you the way. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it says where the spirit of the Lord is, he promises if you put your faith in Jesus, the spirit of the Lord is living in you. He says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That's what he says. There is freedom. And he has been so good and so patient, and so gracious to give us all that we need for true freedom. And yet with all of that, we can be so stubborn, and we can be so selfish, and we can be so prideful that we wind up saying, no thanks, I got this. And we kind of screw it up. We kind of screw it up. And in some crazy way, sometimes I wish he just wired me such that I didn't have any choice other than to be dependent on him. That would be so much easier for a dense guy like me. I've experienced enough in life now with and without him. I was 37 years old before I placed my my dependency on Jesus to lead my life. So I lived 37 years of life without that. And now I've lived a whole bunch of years after that. And uh, 17, okay, in case any of you are trying to do the math. Um, and, And look, this is what I've learned I have learned that he's really good at being God and that I'm pretty lousy at it. I mean that's that's just the truth. And so sometimes I just wish that he would make my dependency on him automatic. Just make it automatic. But here's the deal. In the free will choice that I make to be dependent on him, that's where freedom and love gain their full measure. That's where freedom and love really gain their full measure. It's in freedom and love that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are most experienced when we choose to be dependent on Him. And whether consciously or not, every one of us in this room have made a personal declaration of independence about God. Every one of us in this room. We've either chosen independence from the world and from Satan and from ourselves, and we've chosen dependence on God. That's what our National Declaration of Independence did. It actually did that. Or we have chosen independence from God, and therefore dependence on ourselves and on the world, and frankly on Satan, to give us those things that we think that we need in our lives. And you're in one of those two camps. You're in one of those two camps. And our National Declaration of Independence, it reminded me of this personal Declaration of Independence this, this new one that I made 17 years ago when I placed my dependence on Jesus for ultimately for freedom and for salvation. But not only that, as I read it and I remembered back to that, I rem- it reminded me of the propensity to drift. It reminded me of my own propensity to drift. And as I considered both of those things this week, I have felt this great burden for those whose dependence is not fully on Jesus. Jesus. And that certainly means those that might be in the room that have never chosen to depend on him, but it means as well for those that have at one point chosen to depend on him, but that are in drift mode, I have felt such burden this week for you. And so this is my calling for you this morning, is to honestly answer that question. Today, in your personal freedom today, who or what are you placing your dependence on? Because there is so much at stake and I know some of you will immediately say, I'm dependent on God. You'll think back, you'll say, I made that declaration of independence from the world and from Satan and sin a number of years ago. And, and I, I placed my dependence on Jesus. And, and I know some of you, and you are radically living that truth out. And you're experiencing that freedom. And I celebrate that with you but I know this as well. There's a lot of you in the room that would be tempted to say, I'm dependent on God. I made that decision some time ago, but honestly, you are not living out of radical dependence on Jesus. You're just not. That's just the truth. In this awakening that I had as I read the Declaration of Independence, I became painfully aware that though we still celebrate and proclaim that Dependence Day in 1776... We did it yesterday. The reality is we have drifted away from the original resolution that we made as a nation to be fully dependent on the creator God, to be the one that provides the means that we pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the road of our nation's drift away from dependency on God is a picture of a road well-traveled by followers of Jesus. It is. There's something about that original resolve we had when we first made that spiritual declaration of independence from the oppression and the bondage of the world and of sin, and we claimed our dependency on Jesus, that just kind of subtly wanes. It just kind of subtly wanes. And the truth is, even, even when we do many things that tend us towards dependency on God, like being a part of a Sunday worship service, or spending some time with him in his word or in prayer, or being a part of a biblical community or of serving in some way, even with that, we've still allowed, many of us have still allowed aspects of the world to creep into our lives as we pursue life, liberty, and happiness. I, we, we've done that, and it's counter. Many of those things are counter, whether we feel that or not, to the way that God would have us do it. And there is a price to pay for that. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, it provides this graphic description of this propensity that we have to drift from full dependency on God back to the things of the world, which the Bible refers to as sin. Get, get this. This is what Peter writes. He compares us to a dog that returns to its vomit. He compares us to a washed pig that returns to the mud. And, and I confess that that's a pretty accurate picture of my life sometimes, a gross one, but true enough. And I know some of you, and I know that's a pretty accurate picture of your life sometimes. And that that burdens me greatly. I I have, have experienced the effects of drift even this past week. And in this process of preparing for this morning, I was called to this ruthless evaluation of where I've grabbed the wheel back from God of where I've been trying to do things in my own power, in my own way again. And I was called to this ruthless evaluation of any unconfessed or recurrent sin in my life that are barriers to experiencing true freedom. And in that process this week, I was restored to radical dependence on him. But I know that because I experienced that drift, even this week, that I think other followers of Jesus do as well. And I think God is making a call on you this morning as he did for me this past week to this ruthless evaluation of your radical dependency on him. For some of you, there is sin in your life, including prideful self-dependency that you've gotten very comfortable with. You've permitted freedom in Christ because of your salvation and the assurance of your salvation to mean freedom to do whatever you want. It's the American way. You've perverted the idea of freedom. And I think he's calling you this morning to this ruthless, this honest evaluation of what is true for you in terms of sin and apathy towards his rule and his authority in your life. And he's calling you to a time of confession and repentance. And and probably for a lot of you, it won't take much to really nail what those things are, at least what those glaring things are. And I think he's calling you to that today. There is so much at stake. But there's some of you in the room today, you've never used your freedom to choose, to claim dependency on God through Jesus. You've never done that. July 4th, 1776 was our nation's independence day. It was a day that we formally resolved to be free to be independent from the rule of an oppressive king. And in that, to be free to be dependent on the creator, God. It was this day that this battle line was drawn and the launch towards true freedom was claimed. And there's a life of freedom that awaits you today. Jesus has already paid the the price for all of your sin when he died on the cross. And in the power of his resurrection, he proved that he already won the war. He's already won the war to overcome your sin. He's proven that to give you true freedom. It says in John chapter 8, verse 36, if the Son sets you free, then you are truly free. And just as it was for our nation, there is power in the declaration. There's resolve in the declaration and in the boldness and in the courage that taking a stand made back then. And so why wouldn't you Why wouldn't you declare your independence from the world, from the grip of Satan and sin, and declare your independence on Jesus today? Why wouldn't you? Today, this could be your independence day. This could be your independence day today. Make it so. Here's my challenge for you as I wrap up. I challenge you. I double-dog dare you to deeply consider this morning and in the hours and the days ahead, what the most pressing things that God is placing on your heart is being dependency stealers from him. What are the most pressing things? And I give permission to your loved ones to help you out with that. Yeah. Now, you guys have to do that with grace and with, truth and with truth and with gentleness. There's so much at stake. There's so much at stake. And so I'm challenging you This morning and in the hours and in the days to come to ruthlessly evaluate what is it that is stealing my decision to put my full dependency, maybe for the first time, or maybe once again, full dependency on God. And then here's what I want you to do with that. Email me what that is. Email me what that is. Most of you won't do this because you think it's dumb or it's embarrassing, or you don't really want to be freed from that. But all week, I have sensed God calling me to make this invitation to you. So I know there's there's at least one person out there that's supposed to email me this week. And here's my commitment. I commit to you that I will pray for you and for specifically for that thing every single day for the next two weeks. I know how powerful, I know how effective prayer is. And so if you would email that to me, I will commit to pray for you and that God would remove the dependency that you have on that thing and place your dependency on God. I will pray for that every day for two weeks, whether it's one or whether it's 100. I I commit to that. My email is confidential, so you don't have to worry. And, um, and And it's in the back of the program. I can't imagine what our church would look like what your families would look like, what your marriages would look like, what your health would look like, if you would commit today to move towards this freedom that Jesus so graciously offers as you restore your dependency on him, I double-dog dare you to do it. Father in heaven, Father, we thank you. Oh, we thank you so much, Lord, that, um, that you have allowed us to be here in this country, where we do, uh, as Mark said earlier, we do have the freedom to just come and to worship. We are so thankful for that. We are so thankful, Father, for the people that have gone before us and even now are fighting for that freedom on our behalf. We thank you for that. Father, I pray with deep hope and expectation that as we individually draw this line in the sand and make this claim Declare this independence from the world and then in this dependence on you, that you will allow us to experience the freedom that you promise, and that as we do that, that even our nation would be called back to the original resolution that we had to be dependent on you to direct our steps and our paths. Father, I pray that with great hope and with great boldness and with great expectation. In Jesus' name, amen.